Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Turn Evangelism Podcast with T.S. Myers. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and let us know how God used this message to influence you. If you would like to follow our ministry, we would love for you to go to turnevangelism.com and check us out. Who do you follow? What do your role models look like in the world right now? Do you want to follow people who follow Christ? Or are you following the trends in the world? Surrender to Christ. That's your first step. And then seek out godly leadership. And you got godly leaders here. Follow them because they're trying to follow Christ. So in order to properly handle what has been entrusted to us and to experience God's power as a church, not only do we have to surrender, not only do we have to seek out godly leaders, but we must also learn to spot the fakes. And this is the part we don't like. This is the hard part of pastoring. This is the hard part about being a faithful church member. Spotting the fakes. We must know what to look for and what we should look out for. Because it's very easy for someone with really strong leadership capabilities to come into the church and not follow Jesus with them. And it's seductive. And you think, man, I wish I could lead like that, or I wish I could follow someone like that. And you start following them, but then you're getting further and further away from the head Jesus Christ. If it's not Christian leadership, it doesn't need to be in the church. So spot. Titus chapter 1 verse 10 says this, For there are many rebellious people, rebellious as in not subject to rule, full of meaningless talk, meaning empty vain talkers, and deception. They're seducers. Seducing people to follow them. And then Paul says, especially those of the circumcision group. This is those Judaizers, those Jews that were in the church who said in order to follow Christ, you must first become a Jew and then you can become a Christian. Well, this is wrong, isn't it? I don't have to do anything in order to come to Jesus Christ. I come to him as I am and he takes me as I am. You don't have to first become a Jew and follow all these rules and then come to Christ. You come to Christ because Jesus Christ is enough. What he did is enough on the cross. But these people were preaching the opposite. They were seducers. And Paul says this, they must be silenced. The Greek word has the idea of cover their mouths. Think about that. Shut them up. Cover their mouths. Stop their mouths. Why? Because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets, this is Epimenides, a famous philosopher, he said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons, this saying is true. I mean, come on, Paul. That's pretty, that's pretty steep right there. Okay, just want to put something. Always here can mean perpetually or unceasingly. That this is their cultural norm. 
This saying is true, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in faith. This people, they're proud of this thing. One of their own even says this, right? you got to be really forward with the Cretans. Okay, so when I was living in Miami, we have some cultural stuff there too, right? People are always late. When you're in a certain culture, it comes with certain cultural norms. One of the cultural norms was the, the Cretans were really belligerent. They were hard-headed. So he's saying, smack them between the eyes. That might not work in every context, by the way. Certain contexts, people might be more sensitive, so you have to be a little bit more sensitive to them as well, right? But Paul is taking the context into consideration. Verse 14, rebuke them sharply, 13, so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but their actions deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. Surrender, seek, and spot. Just because someone is good at leading doesn't mean they need to be leading the church. In the journal Frontiers in Human Neuroscience, an article abstract states this. Findings suggest that washing one's hands or even watching someone else wash their hands can wash away one's guilt and lead to less helpful behavior. Okay, just think about that saying for a second. You might be like, where is he going with this? Well, what does it say here? It says, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. When you feel guilty, it shows. And so for these Judaizers coming in, they felt unclean all the time because their consciences had not been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so they're always washing themselves to be clean. They were showing in their actions that they hadn't really believed in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing was pure. Do not handle, they say. Do not touch. Do not taste. Do these things if you really want to be clean because they weren't clean. But the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can be completely cleansed of your sins. So anyone who teaches contrary to this is like that person who's constantly trying to wash their hands to be clean because they're not. My wife and I, a few weeks ago, we tried to watch that Apple TV, Denzel Washington, Macbeth show. It was really boring. We just couldn't get through it. Okay, so we turned it off. I know, it's a classic. We need to watch it. I've never watched or read Macbeth all the way through, but I do know this. In Shakespeare's Macbeth, Lady Macbeth pushes her husband to murder Scotland's king. Then deludes herself into believing that a little water will cleanse her from this deed. So she cleans her hands. But for all of her repeated hand washing, the ritual cannot cleanse her of her guilt. At Act 5, the stubborn bloodstains have driven the illegitimate queen to madness and suicide. So here's the thing. When we have guilt on our hands and we seek to get rid of it in places that aren't sanctioned by Jesus Christ, we keep the guilt. Nothing is clean. But when we come to God his way and we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins 
and cleanse us of some unrighteousness? No, of all unrighteousness. And so, to the pure, all things are pure. We're not worried about what we're going to eat or drink. We know that what goes into a man doesn't make him unclean. It's what comes out of him. And what comes out of him shows the condition of his heart. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but their actions deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Can you spot the fakes? The false teachers, the false leaders who want to be something in the church, but they really shouldn't be? In order to ensure God's power in this church, you've got to be able to do that. It's the hard part. In order to guard what God has entrusted to you, because it has been a trust, as he's entrusted it to you, and you take it seriously, and it's really a weight for you, you must be able to spot the fakes. You must be able to discern what your master in heaven wants and submit to him as Lord. So who are you? Who are you looking to above all? Who is driving you? Is it God? Are you a slave of God? You want to see God's blessing, you have to be his servant. Let me close with this. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You've heard it before, I know it. But it lines up perfectly with this message. Paul, after going over the doctrine, the doctrinal parts of Romans, from Romans 1 to 11, and presenting the massive mercy of God for us that was shown in Jesus Christ, and showing us that God has done everything for us to be saved and to cleanse us, he then turns in Romans to application. And then this is what he says, and this is how he hinges over to application in the book. In Romans 12.1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy everything we've just been over for this whole entire book. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and reasonable worship. Other translations say spiritual act of worship. This is genuine worship when you see the mercy of God and then you let that fuel you to surrender to God. In view of the mercies of God, through the mercies of God, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Some of you have a hard time surrendering to the Lord because you're not viewing his mercy. It's a lot easier when you look at someone's mercy first to do something for them. A few years back, I was getting my, uh, I was driving a really cheap van and the belt fell off that, that holds the power steering. And so I took it into a Jiffy Lube, which, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was a college kid. Give me a break, okay? And the guy, he puts the, he puts the belt back on the car. 
and he does it for free. And I said, well, how much do I owe you? And he says, you don't owe me anything. I said, well, let me give you something, please. He says, no, don't give me anything. It's okay. Uh, He says, if you want, you can tip me. I said, I only have a card. And he's like, don't worry about it. Just come back next time. And I said to him, you have my business. I'll be back. And And I went back. Well, why? In view of his mercy, it was that much easier to offer myself to him in the future. In view of the mercy of God, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Surrender to him. You surrender to God because you look to his gospel. And when you really genuinely see his gospel, it looks a certain way. It looks like you offering your body as a living sacrifice. And the verse goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't surrender to the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Surrender to the Lord. Don't pursue the world in your own strength. Surrender to God and let his strength take you. Would you be the one that we as Christians would seek to lead us to godliness? Or would you be one of the many people that we should look out for? Are you surrendered to Christ or not? To experience God's power as a church, we must surrender Look to God to direct us. We must seek. We need to hang out and look to proper leadership. And we need to spot. We need to look out for unsurrendered men. And we need to avoid them. Especially if they call themselves Christians. What will you do with the church God has given you? What will you do? Surrender, seek, and spot. If you take these messages seriously, as we're looking through the Word, we're just going to go through the Word together. I don't want you to think about my husband, my wife. I want you to think about you. What is God calling you to commit yourself to do in this church? So that by the end of this week, you're ready for the next week and the week after that to serve. To really see God revive. What do you want to see done here? Now, I do want to give you an opportunity because the gospel was preached today. That If you don't know Jesus Christ and your sins aren't cleansed, in fact, maybe you're someone I need to look out for, right? But you don't have to stay that way. You can repent. You can turn to God. And you can say to God, God, I know I've been living hypocritically. And I need you, and I'm sorry. And you can surrender to him. My question for you is, will you surrender to him? If you're a Christian who's backslidden, will you rededicate your life to Christ? But once again, you can't rededicate what's never been dedicated. Have you fooled some people? Tomorrow night, I'm going to tell you my testimony. Okay? I'll share my story with you. So invite your friends. It'll be an evangelistic message. If someone doesn't know Jesus, I want you to invite them. Okay? But I want you guys to know that you can know that you're saved if you surrender to Jesus. But that means something. It means surrender. Don't don't say a prayer to receive Jesus Christ and believe in his cross if you're not willing to give up your sins. Why? Because you're just going to be lying to yourself. You're going to think you're saved and you're not saved. The moment you're ready to actually deal with your sins, 
and lay them on the foot of Jesus Christ, by all means, come and pray a prayer of surrender with me. And we'll do it. We'll surrender. Or if you don't need me, you could do it on the floor of your room tonight. You could do it at your home. You could do it in the shower. I don't care where you do it. But you need to be serious. And you need to repent. You need to turn from your sins. And you need to turn to God. But if you're ready right here in this room, and you really want to hand your life over to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that by saying a prayer of surrender. But don't be fooled. You have to give up your sins. You want God to save you from your sins, right? Well, yeah. Well, you got to give up your sins. you got to give them to him. It's the way it works. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to hand your life over to Jesus, don't resist his spirit, but let him speak to you. And he might be saying to you, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If that's you, let him know in a simple prayer of surrender. If you want, we can start playing some music and just let God know in a simple prayer. Say this to him if that's you right now. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm genuinely sorry for my sins. Take them away from me. Come into my heart. I believe in your gospel that you died to take away my sins, that you rose to give me new life, and I ask you to save me. I trust in you alone for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that and you meant it, and you genuinely repented, you can know based on the authority of God's word that you're saved. The Bible says whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But he knows your heart better than I do. I don't know your heart. I'm not God. But you do, and God does. Some of you are still resisting, and by the end of the week, you're going to have multiple opportunities to say yes to Jesus or to say no to him. And one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you might say to him, but God... I never had an opportunity or I didn't have a sufficient one. And he's going to point to these times in your life when he said, no, I sent my gospel to you and you didn't respond. What will you do with Jesus? Now for those in this room who want to rededicate your life to Jesus, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to go a little long, maybe, okay? I want to invite you to come forward and get on your knees. No, this is what I'll do. You can come forward and get on your knees or you can stay in your chair and get on your knees. That's fine too. And I want you to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I haven't been walking with you or I haven't been taking church seriously, what I need to do here, or I haven't taken it as seriously as you want me to. Some people think I'm taking it seriously because I'm here faithfully, but I know you want more of me. And when God asks for more, are you going to give it to him? Is he the Lord of your life? Are you a slave of God? You want to be sent out? You want to be like the Apostle Paul? you got to come before him surrendered. Will you get on your knees? 
And here's what I want you to do. The altar will be open. You can get on your knees in your seat. You can come forward. I want you to come before God and say, God, this is what I want. I want what you want. Now, if you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for real today, I want you to meet me up front as well. Just come down, come on down and let me know what you did and make your decision public. I'm going to ask you to do a hard thing. Will you do it? Let me pray and I'm going to call you forward in this time of invitation. Lord, you are a good and gracious God. You're working here, God, and your word is being preached. I just pray that, that as we go over your word, that we take it seriously, take seriously what you've entrusted to us so that we can see genuine revival here. We know it's not revival just because we call it revival, God. It's only revival if you show up and we surrender. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come forward. Did this message draw you closer to God or did you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and fill out the form at the bottom of the page and tell us what God did in your life through this message. Also, if you would like to bring T.S. Myers out to do ministry with your church or organization, send us a message on our website, turnevangelism.com. Thank you for joining us for this message from Turn Evangelism with T.S. Myers.